welcome to another episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Booker, and today we're going to be talking to Pierre-Yves Monoville, who is the founder of Monoville, and that website, monoville.co, is where you can find all the information and a little snippet about Monoville. They are timeless basics. They design ethical athleisure menswear, combining functionality and sleek, minimalist design for a confidence-boosting fit locally produced in small batches with organic cotton in west london and here to tell the story in his own words is pierre eves my name is pierre um i um i live in brighton and i launched uh, the brand monoville um in december uh, of 2020 um and then so it's, it's a brand of ethical athleisure menswear and um, so we we design athleisure style clothes that are very much inspired by sportswear and by um, rugby jerseys especially at the moment Um, and then we use organic cotton uh, that is made in the UK and the garments are made themselves in West London um, in very small batches. Um, so, yeah, that's about it, really. And, and so what, tra- what, uh, what transferable skills did you have in your past, Pierre, to, to bring to the brand? Were you a designer in your former life? How does it work? Yes and no. So I came to fashion in a very roundabout way. So, um, first of all, let's go... Even before that, um, the the reason I moved to the UK about 17 years ago now uh, was because I got a job as a cabin crew. And uh, so I stayed as cabin crew for 17 years. During those uh, 17 years, I went back to university to study industrial design. Um, And then, so I finished, I think I graduated about, three years ago. Then um, when I was doing my final year uh, project, I was wondering what I would do with my um, industrial design degree. And then so my there was a very strong emphasis on um, sustainability. Then my, my project was a shower timer made of plastic hemp. Uh, then when I researched hemp, I saw that there were hundreds of uses for hemp, including fabric. And then it clicked. Then I thought, I'm going to use my industrial design degree to make clothes, uh, to make sustainable clothes. Um, and because even before, um, as a child, I wanted to be a fashion designer because uh, I was brought up by a seamstress. And um, the only thing is, at seven years, when I was seven, I realized I couldn't roll. Um, and it's harder than it looks, isn't it? <laughs> well, especially, especially for me. <laughs> and then um, another thing happened. Um, then the, the fashion I saw on TV was really the haute couture for you know, like expensive ball gowns. 
for for women. And already then, I couldn't really see myself doing that. So very quickly, I just um, I, I decided. Well, I, yeah, I changed my mind. I said, well, like, it's not going to work because uh, I can't draw, um, and it's not really. You know, I don't want to design clothes just for women to wear cocktail parties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still wanted to do it because. I remember, I think when I was 13 already, I made uh, some samples of um, something that looks like, um, well, anyway, I, I was already doing some samples of, of clothes and I was already you know, thinking of which logo I would have and all these kind of things. Um, and once again, because... I realized that I, was, I still couldn't roll when I was 13. And then at the time I had discovered photography. So um, after my, you know, the French equivalent of the A-levels, I trained as a photographer. Um, and then because of like, mental health issues, I, I just couldn't really uh, go ahead with the photography and uh, push it forward to sustain a career in, in a, photography so that's why i ended up um leaving france and that's why i came to the uk and uh, um had a, a day job for 17 years and now finally i'm allowing myself to do what i want nice okay well talk to me a little bit about the brand how it is today and well, or maybe just backpedal slightly. How did you raise the capital to get it off the ground? Was it a crowdfunder or was it your own money? So it was a bit of both. So there was uh, my own money uh, for the very first stages of um, sampling. And in the meantime, I, I also applied for some funding for fashion startups, which was a, uh, which was granted... Um, about six weeks ago. Uh-huh. So, um, where do you so, go for that? Where do sorry? you? Where? Uh, so, who funds the fashion startups? Is it is it government or is it uh, private equity? Or uh, no, it's it's uh, it's actually funds from the European Union. Uh huh. So, Pierre, I'm just imagining a thousand odd people right now listening to the podcast, all wanting to start their own brand and going, well, yes. who do I write to? <laughs> so, uh-huh. so what do these people need to type into Google apart from European Union? Well, it's, um, what I, it's, it's called New Enterprise Allowance. That's what it's called. And then, um, yeah, that's what it's called. Ah, okay, great. I never knew anything about that. So that's great. I mean, uh, a good place to start, I suppose, if you're wanting to get some support yeah. to get something like this off the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you say that everything is produced or the the garments are made here in the UK. Uh, how how important is that for you to have everything kind of homegrown here? Um, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I really believe that every, we all need a job, really. And uh, in, in Europe especially, um, there are so many people who spend their lives training for um, a, a job they're really proud of, but they, so many of them can't, can, can't do that job anymore because uh, the production has been moved uh, to, well, 
Southeast Asia or the Far East in general. So, um, and they're really, they're fantastic at their job and they're really skilled. Yeah. So uh, it's important to maintain those skills and to um, give job to give jobs to these people and to uh, give them some work to do. And whereabouts in the UK do they make t-shirts like these? So um, my the clothes are made in West London in in Twickenham. Ah, okay. Not far from me. Oh, um, and also the sustainability, Fred. I mean, you touched upon it briefly, but yeah. if you go onto the website, which I encourage people to do, by the way, and we'll leave links over on the show notes, um, but monoville.co, uh, it's not just kind of like you tick the box, we do sustainable clothing. There's a whole kind of... Uh, like a stream of consciousness about um, why we should be all very conscious about what we're wearing and where we're sourcing um, effects on the environment, but you know, just new facts and also links to other kind of documentaries like the guardian, other, other places where people can kind of come and immerse themselves in, in getting well read on this subject. But uh, maybe you can touch upon why it's so important to you and, why you felt the need to get this information out into into the world? So, I've, I've always been interested in sustainability. Well, I, when I was a child, it was called ecology. So, I've always been careful with environment, and you know, I've always tried you know, not to kill insects for nothing, or all these kind of things. Um, and then in twenty thirteen, after. Um, after me getting a divorce and then my, my mother had died, I think, uh, the year before. Then um, I felt really lost. So I decided to uh, uh, go to, to Peru on an ayahuasca retreat. Um, and that, I, I thought that would transform my life. And mm. uh, even more than that. Get some um, good Tinder profile pics. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Top <laughs> of Machu Picchu. This guy's going to be irresistible. <laughs> exactly. And during one of the ceremonies, um, I really felt in my body that, you know, um, I'm, I'm not separate from the environment. I am part of the environment. So, um, yeah, it was so strong and so um, clear really that everything was connected and um, as a species we're just one link of a massive chain really so um, since then I I was already studying by then but I really decided that no matter what I would do it had to be sustainable uh, as sustainable as I could do it and um, I never look back. Really. Nice. It feels like a, a a very spiritual place to come to your website, Pierre. I mean, it's not just talking about the ethos of sustainability, but there's also links to music, uh, you know, things that you listen to in your past and things that kind of get you into the right mood right now. Um, and I think that's quite a refreshing thing to see on websites because it kind of gives you. you an insight or a, a window into the people behind it. it gives you a, well, it gives a sight of personality. Um, so was it a website you built yourself? Was that always the intent? Yeah, yeah. So it took me 
um, I, I work with different mentors. So there's a fashion mentor, there's a business mentor, uh, there are other, uh, there's a uh, marketing people. Um, but I always try to remember that at the end of the day, it's my vision and it's my experience. So that's why, you know, it's very important for me to share music because uh, as, as I write on the, uh, the on some of the pages, you know, I spent so much time alone as a child that um, music was my companion. So, uh, um, and it, yeah, it's it really inspired, it inspired me and continues to inspire me. Nice. Well, like you, I mean, people can go over and check out some of the uh, the playlists that you got over there. KLF, Justified and Ancient. <laughs> I learned that. That was one of the very first songs I learned on the keyboard back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, that was a song I used to listen, that I used to play on the radio in France. Um, and I, I, they used to play it every single Friday night. I, I used to love it. Oh no, no, good some good strong picks. <laughs> so um so what's what's next for you now? Well actually tell me about your day job now, Pierre. I mean, how much time do you spend on the business, in the business? Um, you know, maybe you can just walk me through your nine to five if there is such a thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so the I have um I, I left flying last year. Uh, at the beginning of well, just um, after just in time, <laughs> just in time. Yeah, I mean, I really thought that was the universe. Uh, that was a sign of the yeah. That was a sign. I just thought, oh, you know what? Um, actually, what happened is um, when the I think the first lockdown was in March, wasn't it? Uh, do you know it's all a big old blur this last year and a half, but. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember um, I I was very cocky at, at the time, and no, in March I I went I had a trip to Hong Kong, and at the time it was uh, the COVID virus was was only in Asia, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, uh, well it, it's, it's only over there. So I remember having a mask. Uh, when I was going out, but it was mainly out of politeness because uh, I didn't want to offend anybody, and I just thought, you know, maybe they're overreacting. Until you know, it's we all know what happened afterwards. But uh, then, when I, when I, the lockdown was announced here, I remember feeling so overwhelmed, and um, you know, I felt like I was in you know an episode of the Twilight Zone, or. Black Mirror for a um, newer reference, and when I'm when I'm lost, I always go on the beach to think. And I remember thinking, "Oh my God, what if this lasts a week or two? What, what are you going to do?" <laughs> um, and then I thought to myself, "Well, you know, I've been I've been meaning to stop flying for a long time, so this might be a sign that you know." it's time to go and do what I really want. Yeah. And um, so as soon as um, the, uh, the announcements came for like voluntary redundancy and all of that, um, I thought, that's it, I'm out. Nice, yeah, they, they didn't have to uh, ask you twice. Oh, no. You're, no. you're already out the door. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Half, uh, 
That's I'm crazy. really grateful. So were you working like on the planes when people were even passengers were masked up? Did you kind of get yeah, to see yeah, that yeah. stage? And was yeah. this like the kind of crazy level for you where you I mean, so I haven't been flying, I don't think, having to mask up. I don't think I've done that. But I mean, we hear all the time people would have to wear masks and then they'd be able yeah. to eat something. And then in between nibbles and bites, they'd have to put the mask back on and stuff like that. Yeah, at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but then, yes. And um, my, my very last flight was to India and the government asked us to, you know, wear aprons and visors and it was and we even had like a i've got no hair but we we still had to wear something over over our heads to protect as much as possible when we were um doing you know when we were in the cabin and even walking through the airport and gloves on and then it was like really uh dramatic wow and that must have been was that quite hard to regulate as well because it's not easy flying half the time and getting half the people to kind of mask up and you know behave themselves was i bet that was just a, a miserable time all around to be on a plane. actually well i never had a problem so and i i was never on flights where people you know argued or there, there were no problem and i i don't know what it's like now again but the flights i was i was working on then um they were really quiet really really quiet oh, okay well, so it was so even if they didn't want to put the mask on, then you know it, because we were i mean we were talking um maybe twenty passengers maximum on a long haul plane right did you so, tend, did you do any first class do you tend to anyone in first class business class and the like business class mostly okay because mm-hmm. my girlfriend and I have got a theory about cabin crew in business class <laughs> so, the, so what is it so the best thing that uh that a passenger can do is get on a plane and go to sleep straight away because then he's low ah, maintenance right <laughs> low maintenance like hello sir here's your uh, here's your pajamas here's your blanket let me just turn that light yeah. off. <laughs> see you later but uh if we're in business class the last thing we want to see is where to turn the light off. We want a cocktail in our hands, like in the next five minutes or so. So the the conflict is always between the the cabin crew and the passengers that want to stay up all night and get on the cocktails and the yeah. cabin crew that go, do you know what, this is an overnight flight. I'd rather you just now watch the back of your eyelids and then I can <laughs> have, a, have a much easier day at the office. Yeah, that's right. Got it. Great. Yeah, told you, babe. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> moving swiftly. On. Um, well, Pierre, tell me a little bit about what's happening next now with the brand. We've we've got some T-shirts on the on the store that I encourage everyone to check out. Once again, we'll leave links over in the show notes. We've got three different colorways going on. Um, are we going to be focusing on any more garments, any more designs? What's next? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're on the works already. So um, the the reason. Um, I, I was advised actually to start really small, uh, which is what I'm doing. Um, so that's why there is only one garment, which is called Urban Jersey. And um, the, 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 the reason I'm starting so small is, first of all, because uh, at the end of the day, I don't want to waste money and, and resources. And um, uh, I, I still... As much as um, 
have put all my heart and soul in it, but it still has to um, be on the market. So I still have to see whether people respond to it or not. Then um, in the meantime, there are already uh, the next product sample, the next uh, colorways sampled. Um, and the other thing is I would really like to get some feedback uh, from customers to see yep. what they like, what they don't like, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then keep improving on yeah. uh, Urban Jersey. Great. Well, I, I got to tell you, I really like the site. I even sent it to a friend of mine, the idea that you can just sign up and be in with a shout of winning a t-shirt. So that's, uh, you know, cause, uh, I do have a little bugbear with kind of pop-ups on sites as I'm sure we all do, right? You just kind of want to get to where you go to, but then you see a pop-up like mm. subscribe to this and you get 10% off, which doesn't feel like anything, you know? Um, but to see a pop-up that comes up and go, you're in with a chance of winning one of the t-shirts for a uh, hundred or so. And then you actually have the you're winning two. You're winning one for you and one for your friends. There you go. You see. Now Thank you want. You. Now you want to sign up. You definitely. And I loved it. And uh, my mate even says I'm in because that's the little thing that you click on. But perfect, uh, great idea. And uh, thank you again. You know, people know where to go now. So, are you still doing your own photography? Yes. So it yep. looked like that was uh, some of that was shot down in London by Canary Wharf, that little mound by the back of the tube. Ah, well, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, London boys talking. You know. <laughs> <laughs> because the what I what I wanted was um, an urban environment, and um, I also wanted to represent. Yeah, I I want it in my mind. Uh, who who I design for is. Um, an urban man. So to me, my idea of urban environment is very much canary wharf with uh, glass buildings and all this kind of, and just a bit of green, just a bit of greenery, but a lot of glass buildings. Yeah, you got to be careful down there because when I went down to take some photos, uh, just kind of like fly on the wall photos, uh, I had someone come up to me and goes, uh, you know, you're not allowed to take photos down here because they think that you're kind of taking photos of buildings. You know, these are entirely, well, highly protected buildings, I suppose, and uh, they have their own yeah. security and you're, you're just not allowed to come down willy-nilly and just yeah. take photos of buildings. Um, so well done on getting yeah, that shoot. I, I could see, I could see there were some um, security watching over us. Yeah. yeah. But they, they didn't come and they, they didn't, come and you know uh, asked us what we were doing or but we we were also quite quick really yeah i think you have you to know, be in that neck of the woods yeah yeah <laughs> well, and also what we were doing you know it, it was it was nothing to be you know arrested over <laughs> yeah yeah they're not going to kick you out of town for that <laughs> um, well thanks for coming on the show pierre enjoyed our little chat Great to get to know you. Great to get to know the brand. And like I say, people should head over there and support local, local businesses, homegrown talent, uh, and also get schooled up on sustainability because it's, uh, it's all in the text over there. In the meantime, uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. I uh, hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pierre. And yep. The website monoville.co well worth checking out thanks for coming on pierre and thank you for listening if you like what you hear why not leave us a review it does help support the show and helps it 
stay free and if you want to check out the show notes all the other articles on lifestyle fashion watches and more do check out menswearstyle.co.uk on the social also at menswearstyle thanks again everyone until next time